When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Shanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the show, and thank you to our partners Indeed and Bet Online. On the show this week, we are doing something a little different, folks. Not too different, but a little bit of a change up in the sense that rather than doing some deep dives into prospects ahead of the draft or speaking to specific draft draft experts as we have done in the past few episodes, what I wanted to do today is. Get a bit of a, a measure or just t- yeah, take the measure or, or the pulse of the fan base given that we're only roughly around two weeks away from the draft. So to do that today, we have a couple of Bulls fans joining me on the show. All of these lads are part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel. And as you can ma- could imagine at this time of the year, we're all up, at the, all up in the channel at the moment talking all things Bulls and the draft. So it made sense to extend that conversation from our forum style format within Discord into an audio conversation here on the podcast and uh, furthermore I have it on good authority that these lads have wanted nothing more in their in their in their lives at this point than to to make an appearance on Bulls HQ I'm told that that this is a dream come true for them so I'm, I'm more than happy to oblige so uh, on that note it's my absolute pleasure to welcome in Chris Omenson and Evan Zoucher fellas thank you for joining me how are we all doing doing good you're right absolutely a dream come true uh, to be on the podcast. <laughs> I thought so, mate. I thought this was the only thing that you're living for at the moment, to make a, an appearance on Bulls HQ, how how fitting this would be at this time of the year. So I'm more than happy for you to to jump on and uh, fulfill your lifelong dream. Yeah, just like Chris, it's a dream come true. Happy to finally be on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I sound like a total wanker for even suggesting that. But um, look, thank you guys for for jumping on and for yeah for, for hopping on Bulls HQ obviously as I noted at the top there we've had some some long extensive conversations in the Bulls HQ Discord channel you two have been a long long standing members within the the Bulls HQ uh, Discord channel so I obviously appreciate your support within there but yeah like, at this point of the draft like I think we Bulls fans have had enough time to really understand who these prospects are I mean it's ten months since the Bulls have last played a basketball game or at least nine months whatever it might be. So I think most fans at this point understand who the players are in this draft. So we probably don't need to, you know, at least from my standpoint, I don't need to go speaking to someone from The Athletic or from this publication or that publication in terms of who is this player, what does this player do. I think most Bulls fans at this point uh, this point, understand who these players are. So rather than doing that, it just makes sense to me just to talk to Bulls fans about how they're feeling about it. And I think given... Given this specific draft, the fact that it's perceived as a weak draft, and I get the sense that a lot of different fans have a lot of different perspectives. That's why I wanted to talk to Bulls fans. So, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks for coming on. But I guess we could start with this. And, look, I've got my opinions on this draft, but maybe I'll throw to you first, Chris. But how are you feeling about the draft heading into the draft itself? What are your general feelings about it, the draft itself, and and how that pertains to the Chicago Bulls? Well, personally, I think it's... We're in kind of a weird spot as Bulls fans because for the longest time we've had a front office where we can kind of pin, you know, our hopes on the draft on two different things. One, is that player from Iowa State? Or number two, <laughs> are they a four-year college player from like, a you know, a gold standard program? But this is kind of a weird feeling, at least for me as a Bulls fan, 
to really have kind of no idea where the front office is going to go with this because obviously we've got Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley in there and then Billy Donovan, our new coach, you know, coming in. So those different philosophies that Bulls fans aren't really as familiar with. So it's kind of exciting. And then paired with you've got a draft where, as you said, there's no real like clear top talent, and but there's a lot of depth here. And so there's a lot of difference of opinion. So I think it's just exciting to kind of not know what's coming. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all great points. F, F, how are you feeling about it, mate? Yeah, like Chris said, it's a, it's a really interesting draft. Um, it's definitely weaker at the top than the usual drafts, especially in the past couple of years. Like 2017, 2018 were both incredible drafts. Um, and this one just isn't as strong at the top. So, um, you know, there's some, some intrigue about who's going to take who. And on top of all that, you've got teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves at number one and the Golden State Warriors at number two that are strongly looking to move down. Um, so we don't even know who's going to be making some of the picks in the top four. Um, I'd be highly, highly unsurprised if those picks were traded. So um, I guess we'll wait and see, but I'm super excited for draft season to finally be getting here. Yeah, I think you, you've both raised some really good points there. Like Evan, as you just sort of mentioned, we don't really know what's going to happen at the top of the draft because this draft is just so weird at this point that you know, the Warriors may be looking to trade down. The, the Wolves may be looking to be trading down. Who knows what the Bulls will be doing. But to your point as well, Chris, given that this is a new administration sort of controlling and running the Bulls at this point, that also adds some ambiguity to the whole process as well. So it's all very strange. It's all very weird. It's hard, It's kind of hard at this point to have any uh, rational idea of what will happen or how exactly things will play out. But nonetheless, I still want to obviously ask you guys that question. And maybe, again, we'll throw to you, Chris, but... How do you think this plays out more generally, maybe the top four, top three or four picks, and, and how do you think it sort of falls for the Bulls? Well, I mean, if you've, if you've paid attention to the draft analysis, which I think we're all kind of sick of, as you said, we've had so yeah. many months to, to pour over these prospects, but the kind of consensus top three, you've got LaMelo Ball, um, you've got Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman, and none of them really been in the top three or like number one, number two, there's no been real order. So I think the Bulls are actually kind of in a good spot because if one of those three falls to us, I think I think that's, you know, a, a good place to be either to make a trade down for a team that really wants one of those prospects or we kind of have our pick of the litter because from basically four to about maybe 10 or 12, a lot of people have different people in those slots. So some people have Obi Toppin, some people have Denny Avdija, Tyrese Halliburton, Killian Hayes. There's just so many different flavors. And so I think the front office has a great opportunity uh, to be at the fourth spot here. Yeah, 100% agree. Evan, how, how do you feel about it, mate? And what do you think will happen? Because, you know, I probably should have mentioned this at the top, but you've done a lot of draft coverage, be it on your own podcast or through your own writing, but uh, you've had ample time to sort of prepare over it. You've probably mulled over it a million times more than I have. But uh, how do you think this plays out for the Bulls specifically, but maybe even more importantly, for those three teams ahead of the Bulls. I think that will ultimately determine how what the Bulls do, but how do you think it plays out the top four? Yeah, like you said, it's really going to depend what um, Golden State and Minnesota do with their picks. I think at least one of those teams will be able to trade down, um, although it will be very difficult to find suitors for moving up into the top three picks of this draft because, like Chris said, guys are going to fall. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder more than it's ever been, um, or at least you know in the last decade, probably since the Anthony Bennett draft. So... Um, it's really going to be a surprise, but um, being the fourth pick, that's great positioning. You know, um, there are a couple of prospects that are frequently mocked at the top of drafts by the big draft covers. Um, I have my gripes about James Wiseman in the top three, um, yeah. but not everybody <laughs> agrees with that, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So I personally think that the Bulls are going to take a primary initiator with the number four pick. I don't think they're going to really move around too much because it would be difficult to move back, and there's not really too much value in moving up. Um, And my personal favorite pick for the Bulls at number four would be Killian Hayes. He's the number one prospect on my board. Um, Obviously, if LaMelo Ball is there, that'd be an excellent pick, especially because of the way he's perceived around the league, at least from, you know, what we've seen um, coming through, filtering through the media so far. So... I think I would take Killian Hayes, but, um, you know, if Lamelo's there, that'd be great. Uh, if Devin Vassell is there, that's the number five player on my, the most recent version, version of my board. Um, you know, one of the best team defenders I've ever seen in college basketball and a great three-point shooter. So we have excellent options. Yeah, I think that's 
they're all good points and that makes complete sense. And maybe that's probably more relevant, Chris, in the sense that maybe asking what the Bulls will do, given given your point, it's kind of hard to maybe understand or maybe even guess as to what they do will do, given that AK hasn't necessarily given us much information about what he intends to do beyond just drafting the best player available and the fact that we don't have a track record of what AK will do as that lead executive. Uh, maybe instead of asking what the Bulls will do, maybe I can ask you the question of what do you think they should do? I think I'm kind of with Evan here. Killing Hayes has been, at least for me, and I'm not a draft expert, but looking through those different players has kind of stood out to me as one that has a lot of upside, also has a pretty high floor, has a lot of different skills as a playmaker, and playmaking has been a huge need basically ever since Derrick Rose left the Chicago Bulls. And we've gone through a number of point guards of the future that really haven't been. And so I think Killian Hayes represents, assuming LaMelo is gone, I think he's probably re- represents to me the best uh, person to pick at that spot. Well, Ev, I mean, I think what Chris noted there is pretty is pretty fair, and it seems like you two are both aligned. But let me, let me give you a scenario, and for whatever reason, both LaMelo Ball and Killian Hayes are both sitting there at number four. Do you, do you go LaMelo and sort of go that sort of maybe high-risk option that maybe has a higher ceiling or perceived ceiling? Or are you more inclined in that situation to maybe think, all right, let's go with Killian Hayes, who may not have the same level of ceiling. He may, he may not, who knows? But he may be that safer option, or and, and maybe from a character standpoint at least, is maybe the safer option. Assuming that scenario were to play out, and going back to what you said before about the Bulls probably needing a, a lead initiator, assuming both Lamelo are there as well as Killian Hayes, what, what what do you do in that scenario? So that is a really great question, and I think Lamelo will be gone before our pick. But if he's available and Killian's on the board, it might ruffle some feathers with the fan base. But I think I personally would take Killian Hayes, and yeah. so it's tough because those are that's my one A and one B prospect in Killian and Lamelo respectively. I see them as very similar prospects, although with very different ranges of outcomes. Like you said, Melo has just an insane ceiling. You know, we haven't seen a prospect like him in a long time, if maybe ever. You know, true six seven foot uh, lead initiator um, vision like we've never seen. You know, one of the best passers I've ever seen uh, not playing in the NBA. Um, he's played in a professional league, so he's a super interesting prospect, but his fit next to our current guards, especially Kobe White, who I think should be, you know, a pretty major focus um, in terms of how we structure our offense going forward, given what he showed us at the end of last year and where we selected him in the draft last year. I think Killian pairs really well next to Kobe. Um, they can each each defend um, either a one or two guard, both pretty pretty strong, pretty tall guards, especially Killian's got a positive wingspan, you know, Kobe's is about even with his height. But both guys can switch in the backcourt. Um, both guys can take turns running pick and roll, running the fast break. And Killian played in a two-guard system in Germany, so uh, he would switch off a lot with Zoran Dragic. Um, it's something he's used to, and it helps compensate for his weak left hand. So Killian is, for me, a perfect fit for Chicago, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't be mad at either pick. Both guys are incredible prospects. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. But Chris, how, how would you feel in that scenario if, for whatever reason, Lamelo and both Killian Hayes are sort of sitting there at number four? Would you how how would you how would you play it? Obviously, Evs maybe thinking Killian Hayes, but would you go the Lamelo route, or would you would you do something similar with with Killian Hayes? I think if that's the case, you really got to look to see if someone another team that looks at Lamelo dropping as an opportunity to move up to look into those trade opportunities because you may be able to get Killian Hayes later in the draft and pick up an asset on the way. So mm-hmm. that's I, a good point. You know, it's it's difficult to that's a difficult choice if if that trade isn't available, let's say, and it's just LaMelo Ball or Killian Hayes, that's tough. I think you know LaMelo Ball obviously is is a special passer. Um but as Evan mentioned, the the fit with Killian Hayes on the team I think makes a little bit more sense. But you know, AK has told us uh, many times that he's drafting best player available and not looking to fit. So I'm not sure what he's going to do. I think that I would look into that trade opportunity first. And then if it's a, if it's a toss up between those two, I might lean LaMelo ball just because of the all-star potential. But I think Killian Hayes is a strong, a strong pick as well. Yeah. Look, it's, it's funny because I've thought of a reason I, I was bored this weekend and I was just watching some more LaMelo tape, just trying to get my head around 
who the hell this guy may or may not be because to me he is probably the biggest what if you know in the top top five picks let's say he could really be anything and a lot I think a lot of it's going to come down to his attitude his demeanor his character and what situation he's placed in in terms of the type of play he ultimately becomes but Obviously, I don't know what that would be in Chicago, but at the same time, yeah, his range of outcomes are just kind of all over the place. So I just don't know what Lamelo is going to be, but I do feel confidently that when he walks into the NBA, he's going to have two elite skills straight away from his passing and uh, ball handling standpoint. I mean, he'd probably be top five and, or at least top ten in both of those skill sets from the from the day he steps on the court, which may sound like hyperbole to some, but I feel confident in saying that. But the, the drawbacks to his games are so significant as well that it does give me pause. And I, I, I don't necessarily think the Bulls should actively avoid someone like LaMelo Ball. And I, and I know Evan sort of mentioned that, you know, maybe maybe picking Killian Hayes at number four would ruffle some fans' feathers if LaMelo is, uh, is sitting there at number four as well. But I, I also do think that the, the reverse is true as well, where if the Bulls were to draft LaMelo Ball, that some, some fans may just be objectively against that, you know, completely. And I think there would be a justification for that as well. But um, beyond that, I mean, do you have any thoughts around if there are specific players, maybe outside of LaMelo, maybe outside of Killian Hayes, maybe it is those guys who the Bulls should be actively avoiding in this specific draft? It's tough to say. I mean, I try not to get married to one idea too much in the draft because we never know what can happen. And uh, we're, 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 we're constantly wrong on this kind of thing. And, and in a, <laughs> and in a draft like this, where you've got so many different prospects with clear weaknesses, um, it's tough. I would say if I had to pick one, Obi Toppin would probably be towards the top of my list just because yeah. of the fit, uh, with, with Lowry and Wendell and, and kind of who we've got on the team. Now, obviously he was a pretty polished player. And as I mentioned in the beginning, I think he would be the perfect Gar Foreman guy to pick, uh, you know, four-year <laughs> college player. But with AK, I just don't think that they're going that direction, although he may be a pretty desirable pick around the league with a lot of top executives. So that's probably my pick. And do you feel similarly? Do you think Obi Toppin would be someone that you would be uh, actively trying to avoid? Or is there is there another player that you just don't want to see the Bulls draft at number four or really anywhere that they may be drafting? So, like Chris said, it's important to keep in mind where the Bulls will be drafting. Steph Noe wrote a great article recently on his Substack, kind of discussing, you know, our various options and talking about how it's important to see what other teams are doing and see how how the how the um, how the chips fall, really. Because, um, kind of like Chris mentioned when we were talking about Lamelo versus Killian, if both are available at four and somebody really wants Lamelo and is willing to pay to get him, we can we can make some some nice asset. Uh, some nice asset gains making a move like that. But um, if we do stay at four, which I think is probably the most likely avenue, there are three players that I wouldn't really be interested in taking at that position um, that could realistically be taken there based off what I've seen. Uh, the first player is Obi Toppin, kind of like you said, um, a one-way player, probably stuck at the four, um, not really mobile enough, especially laterally, um, to play out in space much on defense. Um, so that's a major concern. Um, you know, we already have a one-way four in Larry Markkinen who kind of needs other guys to get him in his spots on offense and can only guard one position on defense. Um, and so that's an archetype that's really tough to build around in the modern NBA. Another guy who I would not be intent on taking at number four, kind of kind of touched on this earlier, is James Wiseman. I think that's just a big reach at number four. He played three college games. Um, the AAU sample before that and the FIBA sample before that showed some Pretty real concerns about his shot selection and his ability to play any defensive coverage except for drop. So, plus, I'm just the biggest Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, fanboy in, on the planet, and I want Wendell to succeed, enable Wendell. Um, the last guy that I would not take it for, um, who I have seen going up that high, is Tyrese Halliburton. I actually love Tyrese Halliburton as a prospect, but he kind of, off of offers a skill set that this team already has a lot of in complementary guards. Um, Thomas Sadoransky can can play a complementary guard role but can't really initiate off the bounce. Um, Halliburton has that same problem, can hit the spot up three, but, you know, we'd, we'd like that skill set ideally in a three to four size player. So those, those are the three guys that I would probably avoid. Um, I don't think we'll be in a position where we're stuck taking one of those three guys. Um, I would be very surprised if neither of Devin Vassell um, nor Killian Hayes fall to number four for us, so. Yeah, I think that they're all good points, and I feel 
very similarly, to be honest with you. I mean, I probably wouldn't be opposed to drafting Obi Toppin if there were a trade lined up for Larry Markin that nets you back a, a wing of sorts, a, a small forward. I mean, in that situation, maybe someone like Mal, Michael Bridges would be nice and tasty from a Bulls point of view. I, I obviously don't think the Suns would do that at all, but if the if the plan was to draft Obi Toppin because you feel he's the best player, player available and then somehow try to make it work with Larry, Wendell, Obi Toppin and... I don't know. Just try to figure out who who is the you know the best couple players to keep of that three man big big man front court. I think that would have me concerned. But uh, yeah, I feel similarly with Hallie Burton. He's probably my favourite player in this draft, but definitely probably is, is just overspending at number four. And, and like you said, Ev, I, I just I just want no part of James Wiseman at number four. You know, centers you can get that type of player that he projects to be pretty easily. I think in this modern NBA, I wouldn't be wasting a top a top three, top four pick, something like that on James Wiseman. So hopefully he goes to the Hornets or something like that. But I think we all feel fairly similarly about it. I want to continue talking about the draft, but before I do, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First up, let me tell you about Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business did it. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make sure that your search is made that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31. Let me also tell you about Bet Online, Folks, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on the every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the show now. I'm back to the podcast, joined here by Chris and Ev, two rabid Bulls fans, diehard Bulls fans who are part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel. And we are just talking all things draft. The draft is a couple weeks away, and we just wanted to, to get off our takes, I suppose. So whilst we've uh, spent the first half of the podcast maybe discussing the options for the Bulls, I suppose I want to close out the, the rest of the show with maybe just thinking about some more wild scenarios that may or may not happen, whether that's through the trade, whether we've got so many wild takes ahead of the trade, uh, sorry, ahead of the draft. Um, yeah, I suppose this is the part where we can maybe let loose and maybe just fire off some uh, some creative angles or maybe come at it a little bit differently. But uh, maybe we'll start with you, Chris. Do you, do you have any thoughts around the Bulls maybe trading or moving up or up or down or even out of this draft. How are you naturally feeling about that sort of situation? Do you think it's it would be an, an ideal situation for the Bulls to trade up? I think that's the ones that you know the ambitious Bulls fans are thinking about. Maybe something trading down makes more sense, but interested to, to uh, hear where you feel on it and if you happen to have a, a few trade proposals up your sleeve. <laughs> well, I don't know about the trade proposals. That's a great way to get roasted on Twitter. Uh, is, is thrown out trade proposals, but I think Evan mentioned earlier the the article by Stefan No was really instructive as far as how he thinks the front office should go about, um, you know, handling the draft, which is kind of be like water, just just you know take the pulse of the draft and the different executives and what's going on, and, and you know whether it's to move up or stay or go down, I think can kind of be made on that night. But you know if we're gonna go for some some more wild takes, I think. 
I think there's a problem here. There's a couple of problems the Bulls are facing. Number one with Lowry and the extension and obviously the down year he had. And and uh, Mark Eversley kind of made a comment on uh, the disappointment that they had, you know, had with him and, and wanted to kind of dissect that and see what caused it. So I think that if there's one of the core four that may go, I think Lowry's kind of a, a higher up candidate and, and he may end up getting, you know, traded or, or maybe replaced, right? Maybe they, they draft Obi Toppin and that's kind of a sign to him that, Hey, you better, you better fix what you got going on or you may be out. Another thing is Levine and Kobe White at this point are kind of viewed by the front office as shooting guards, both of them, like, you know, maybe secondary playmakers, but Kobe White's been seen more as a shooting guard or a combo guard rather than a pure point guard. And both Kevin O'Connor at the ringer and um, and Casey Johnson at NBC Sports have both kind of indicated that AK and Eversley are looking more for playmaking and to address that in the draft. So Lamella Ball, Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton may indicate that there's going to be kind of a you know a, a roster crunch here between Levine and Kobe White going forward. And I think obviously Levine's our best player right now and has the highest trade value, and he's he's played really well on that contract, which has almost kind of become a bargain. Um, and I think that his services could be, you know, pretty higher in the league. So I think that he may be a trade candidate as well. Now, I'm not sure what I'm willing to give up for Levine, um, but I think that's a really interesting question that the Bulls fans kind of have to um, to gauge this year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's an interesting point because I think a lot of the times when people have thought about trading up or trading down in this specific draft, it's been you know trading pick number four and some sort of player, whether it's it's probably most likely a player that's not part of the core, let's say. Let's just call it Thad Young. Trading Thad Young and pick four and moving up to number two or something like that. There, there are a lot of the, the permutations that I see sort of kicked out there by Bulls fans online. But to your point, Chris, and maybe thinking about this maybe a little more holistically and a larger, and a larger avenue, I suppose, do the Bulls sort of trade Levine and number four for pick two and something else, or pick one and something else. I think that's that's the uh, the big brain mode maybe speaking here and maybe thinking a little bit outside the box, and maybe AK is thinking that, maybe he's not. But it's it's quite an interesting situation when you compare, as you sort of sort of alluded to there, Chris, what maybe the Bulls are thinking of from a standpoint of the, the partnership of Kobe White and Zach Levine, and if they do both feel that both guys are sort of off-ball players or shooting guards, not necessarily playmakers and creators, then that, that's that's how I uh, specifically feel about those two guys. But, Ev, do you think, you know, a, a massive trade like that could happen on draft night, or do you think it would be more more likely that it would just be maybe a small consolation trade, whether it's up or down, and maybe not necessarily moving up one of those core guys? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a bigger blockbuster type trade on draft night. Um, I doubt it will involve the number four pick, though. I think if I had to guess, we make the pick at four. Um, But what I would keep an eye on is um, AK and Mark Eversley potentially trying to acquire a second pick in this draft, uh, or rather a third pick if you include number 44, but a a second pick in the first round perhaps. So kind of the guys we were talking about, Zach Levine and Larry Markinen are the guys I would keep an eye on. Lowry, like we mentioned, is going to be extension eligible. Um, I'm not the one who would be wanting to make the decision on what you pay him, given what we've seen so far, um, the ups and the downs. It's really hard to put a dollar amount on that, especially for a four-year contract. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some interest from teams that just think that he's been, um, you know, kind of disgraced by the Jim Boylan experience and that that, uh, greener pastures might help him out. Um, perhaps a team like Phoenix with the number 10 pick might be interested. Um, I've seen trades with uh, Golden State and number two, although those generally require us to take Andrew Wiggins back, which is not something I want to do. Um, Another trade location that might be interesting is potentially Zach Levine to Philadelphia. Um, Daryl Murray just signed there as their new head of basketball operations. You know, he's always aggressive in trying to make the team competitive. What that team needs is half-court playmaking or rather initiation, um, a guy who can bail them out at the end of the shot clock and create his own create his own look, um, and a guy who can run off screens and play off ball and hit the three. And we know Zach Levine can do both of those things. Um, whether the Sixers have interesting enough assets to make something like that work, maybe with Matisse Thibel, uh, they've got a couple picks in the first round. That, that could be something to keep an eye on. I doubt anything gets done. Um, I think we... 
we might we'll probably just take four um and then maybe we could even try to move up from 44 into the late first or a little earlier in the second if there's a guy we really really like there yeah i think that's all fair and maybe to your point chris at you know at the top of the podcast we sort of mentioned the fact that we don't really know much about ak mark eversley billy donovan and their decision making process it's kind of hard to maybe sort of predict any trades or what will or won't happen but i think that's what you sort of alluded to there, Ev, is that's probably the biggest interesting standpoint for me in terms of what the Bulls do at the draft, in terms of do they maybe trade out someone like Zach Levine or Larry Markin before they've actually seen them play under this new coaching staff, under this new management team? Uh, you know, whether they go big and go bold and maybe move one of those guys at the draft or, you know, around the draft, even in, in the offseason itself. I think that's going to be the, the most intrigue that we Bulls fans probably had have in the offseason because that will really speak to how aggressive uh, AK will be as a leader, uh, as a lead executive, what he maybe thinks about this roster more generally. But those two guys probably are the lead candidates to be drafted. Was that because... Maybe, I mean, he's still young. He's going to be 26 very soon, but he's still coming, he's coming into the prime of his career, but still has, uh, I, I guess, he's underpaid at this point. I think it's fair to say, or at least well paid. He's not over, he's not overpaid, let's say. Um, but he has only two years remaining, so he is extensible eligible this offseason. And as sort of Evan just alluded to there, Larry Markman is en- uh, entering the last year of his rookie deal, which uh, and I completely agree. I, I just don't know what the hell his value will be at that at, at, at either now because he's this extension eligible or in one year's time when you have to go to pay him or who the hell knows what that sort of looks like. So, I mean, Chris, do you, do you actively think that there will be a trade more holistically, maybe something bigger than just trading draft picks or do you think there'll be some a real chance that maybe one of these players, one of these core pieces gets moved before AK, Billy Donovan, etc. even had a chance to maybe get get these guys on the court within their system. I think if I had to bet, you know, the core players, especially like uh, guys like Wendell and Lowry, I think have really not benefited from the Jim Boylan clown show that we've had to experience yeah. last year yeah. and a half. So if I had to guess, I think they're probably going to try and pump up their value at minimum. I, I would expect a trade if of those core players, probably more around the deadline, if anything. Uh, Zach Levine is obviously... I think at a higher point in his value. Um, so I, if anyone were to get traded, I think he's probably more likely to get traded this off season. I don't really think that we're going to see a big thing on draft night. I don't think they're really excited enough about LaMelo ball or even, you know, Edwards or Wiseman to move up in the draft. I just, I think there's much more likely to move down if anything, or just take the pick at number four and 44, but we've seen, you know, we've seen AK in his time in Denver uh, make some fun moves. And, uh, you know, Doug McDermott being one of them that he fleeced the Bulls on. We've got, they got Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic. And uh, that's, that, that one still hurts, I think. But I, I'm not sure. I think we might get to see these players under Billy Donovan for a little bit, see how the team meshes with some offseason moves, this new draft pick that's coming. And then we may see some more activity around the deadline. But, I think there's a couple teams to look at this offseason that are interesting that could be making big moves. You know, OKC obviously seems like a prime candidate to start showing off some of their uh, veterans like CP3. I know you, Mark, you had the article the other day on why you think CP3 should come to the Bulls. Um, The Rockets are definitely in flux. Both Philly and the Bucks really kind of want to get better and have a lot of bloated contracts they want to get rid of. And then also the Nets this year, they're looking to compete for a championship. So I think, you know, those four or five teams are, are really going to be moving the needle on trades, and that may help, you know, initiate the decision-making process on, on AK and Everly's end. Yeah, look, they're all really good points and speaks to what we've sort of suggested before where, you know, as, as Stefano has written, that this this whole situation is completely fluid. It, it can go a million different ways, really. There's so many variables at play here. If, if one thing happens, it just may offset so many different decisions, not just for the Bulls, but the entire league, really. But I guess one of the ones that I keep throwing back in my mind, and it comes back to just my general feelings about Larry Markham more generally, maybe my feeling about him as a player and, and the fact that I, at this point, just see him just purely as a stationary player from a power forward point of view. I don't think he can scale up or down. Uh, I'm concerned about what Larry, or the, the scope of Larry Markkinen's career if he can't shift up to center. And uh, at this point, there's been no 
real reason to, to, to think or even suggest that he can scale up to centre at all. So I'm just wondering where he's sort of positioned from a league standpoint going forward. So I guess the, the fun one that I'd like to kick around in my mind is it wouldn't be a, a complete old overhaul of the roster, but maybe even going to a smaller type roster where or, or a smaller type system where maybe you can trade out Larry Marketing, grab another pick in the top 10, and if you can get your hands on, say, Denny, and whilst drafting Killian Hayes or Lamelo Ball as your lead initiator, and then maybe moving out Larry Markkinen and playing someone like Denny at power forward. To me, Denny's more of a, of a four than a wing. That's that would be interesting to me. Uh, I know a lot of Bulls fans probably are opposed to that idea, but you know, putting Denny at four, playing smaller, playing faster, and not having to have that decision of what you do with Larry Markkinen. Uh, I think that is really appealing to me. And when you think about the playoffs that we just watched, where a lot of these teams are going super small, running you know a lot of wings and you know even some just general small forwards at center, I just I have my concerns about the Larry Mark and Wendell Wendell Carter pairing going forward. So to your point, Ev, I mean if you could get a deal for Larry Mark and then done in this particular draft, and maybe get your hands on Denny whilst getting Killian Hayes or Lamelo Ball, is that something that you would entertain, or am I just being a bit silly and maybe suggesting something like that? No, that's definitely something I'd entertain. So like I said before, mentioning Phoenix at 10, I don't know if Phoenix is looking for shooting at the four since they drafted Cam Johnson, and that actually worked out pretty well. But I do know they're shopping the pick. They're shopping Kelly Oubre, so those are options. Or rather, I've heard that they're shopping the pick and shopping Kelly Oubre. Those are potential options. Um, even if you don't, if you, even if you can't land somebody like Denny, um, there's going to be plenty of good options in the late lotto potentially that um, could fill the four spot. A guy I'm looking at that would fill in nicely um, if we could get a pick to take him in exchange for Lowry Markkinen is maybe someone like Patrick Williams, yeah, um, a little bit more versatile as a defensive player. Um, should be able to shoot catch and shoot uh, with a little bit of work. He's already there at the mid range. Um, savvy passer doesn't doesn't really make bad reads and plays within the flow of the game. And he went to Florida State, so you know he's a good team defender. He'd look great next to Wendell, and realistically, if you are going to build a team that plays around Zach Levine, everybody else has to defend. And so having one of your front court players not be a strong or at least passable defensive player is just, it's just, it's just tough sledding, really. So that'd be something I'd look at is maybe maybe strengthening the defensive front court. Um, but if Denny's there, like if we can get a pick to take Denny, you know, somewhere around 10, he's too good to fall that low. So I would absolutely be interested in that. Yeah, or even like the Hawks, for example, like a pick six or something. Uh, who knows what they're maybe wanting to do with their pick. Maybe they're wanting to trade for established players. Maybe they're not interested in Larry Marketing, given that they've got John Collins on board. So maybe that's not really a realistic trade partner. But I don't know. If you can sneak out a pick, pick six, pick seven, pick eight, the, the Pistons, the uh, the New York Knicks at, at eight, maybe that's something that you can do for Larry Marketing and maybe you can sort of get someone like Denny and then all of a sudden you have a... A, a, a nice young core of, say, Killian Hayes, uh, Levine, Kobe White, and you've, you're playing Denny at the four with Wendell. That would be a really fun, up-tempo team that's playing smaller, playing faster. Obviously, there's, there may be deficiencies in certain areas, but uh, that, that that's intriguing to me. But again, that's just me being, think, putting on the big brain hat at the moment and just maybe thinking outside the box. I definitely don't think it's going to happen. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously, we'll, we'll see what what occurs come draft night. But Chris, maybe throwing it back to you, mate, and, and maybe coming back holistically thinking about this specific draft, but whatever the Bulls do in this draft, and maybe if they just do, well, let's bring it back here and maybe just let's think about their own draft pick, pick number four. If they trade, uh, sorry, draft Lamelo, if they draft Killian Hayes, if they draft Denny, whatever it may be, do you think that player that they take with that specific pick, and assuming nothing else happens with the roster, do you think that really changes the perception or the scope of this rebuild moving forward? Do you, do you think that changes at all? And, and do you think Bulls fans, if they're high on, the, on, on this specific team or even if they're low on this specific team, do you think this draft uh, materially tra- uh, changes how we should be feeling about this team maybe long term? Well, I think if they just if they just take the pick at number four and whoever it is, fine. I think it speaks to what they've told us so far that they're looking to uh, pivot to more internal development, player development. And so far, the decision-making in in uh, the hiring process, especially with Billy Donovan and some of the other people they've brought in, has spoken to that. And also with Mark Eversley as the GM, he's got a you know a background in, in player development as well. So I think 
I think it would signal to Bulls fans that maybe we should be patient, see how the year progresses, see if we can raise the value of some of these core players and, and really get to see what we have. I know we've heard that for like three seasons in a row that, you know, John Paxson's been saying, we just need to see what we have this year. And then injuries have just devastated us or bad coaching. But I think, you know, if we can pick up a, a decent player in this draft and, and hopefully, you know, just have some, some faith in, in AK's ability to, to evaluate these players. Now, I think it signals to the families that we need to have some patience. If we, on the other hand, if we see like a, a big trade of Zach Levine or Larry Marketing, that may signal, you know, because Mark Eversley recently said that it's a, it's a reload or not a rebuild or what did he say? Something like that. Um, yeah. A retool, I think actually is what retool. he said. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they, they may be looking to get this thing going sooner than later, and maybe they've got a lot more faith in uh, in these Bulls players than nationally they're getting attention for. Uh, real quick, there's a um, you know in your in the vein of of trying to get a second pick in this lottery for Lowry, I think another candidate you want to look at is Devin Vassell, kind of a three and D wing. He can come in play the three. You can even move Otto to the four and have Wendell play the five. I know Wendell's wanted to play the four, so if you play small, he's, you know, he's kind of a power forward in that sense. But I think that would be a fun a fun lineup if you've got Killian Hayes at number four, let's say, and then you pick Devin Vassell somewhere in like the six to 12 range. Then you've got uh, Killian Hayes, Zach Levine, um, Devin Vassell, Otto Porter, and Wendell Carter Jr. That's a pretty nice defensive lineup with a lot of shooting and playmaking. I think that would be kind of a fun a fun idea as well. Yeah, that, that that would certainly be interesting, and it would, in a way, it would kind of mimic what Phoenix have done in in a sense around Devin Booker, with having that those two wing options in in Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges being those three and D guys, having the traditional center, that rim rolling center in DeAndre Jordan, and then obviously having that perimeter backcourt playmaker. I think that's an appealing option too. I, I don't know, Ev, if you're concerned about those clips that were sort of going around about Devin Vassell's shooting uh, shooting action or his stroke and how <laughs> weird and funky it looks kind of at this point. But, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, Chris. That, that's an interesting situation too. But, Ev, how, what do you think about Devin Vassell more generally? So Devin Vassell is definitely one of my favorite prospects in this draft. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier a little bit, just kind of touched on it, but he is legitimately one of the best team defenders I've ever seen as a college basketball prospect. Um, played at a great program in Florida State alongside Pat Will. Um, I think he's got some untapped self-creation equity in the half court. He's kind of got all of the indicators that you'd look for for potential um, mega creator ISO guys, not necessarily like the Luka Doncic point forward type, um, but more in the vein of kind of what we saw from Kawhi Leonard when he was in college. You know, he hit like a bunch of pull-up mid-range shots. And that was a good indicator that he was going to be able to stretch that ability to hit the pull-up um, from three. Uh, the shooting videos that we saw from Devin Vassell, those two shots in the in the open gym um, with his with his pre-draft process, uh, they were definitely a little concerning. Um, that said, he was like I don't know five ten feet off the arc or something like that, and he definitely uh, shout out to Corey Tulava at Hardwood Herald. He's been talking about this for months. Devin Vassell has always kind of shot above his head like that, especially when he's a little further out. So he's kind of a skinny guy, uh, a little bit like LaMelo. I think he just needs to add some core strength to hit those deeper shots. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm hopeful that those videos were just like him kind of screwing <laughs> around at the end of a at the end of a run. Yeah, look, I, I feel similarly. Uh, it scared me some um, seeing that, it, the, the way he shot it, the, the slower release. You obviously can't be an off-the-bounce shooter with that type of release, but uh, obviously, yeah, hopefully he's just screwing around. But I guess to close, the, the one guy that we haven't necessarily talked about, and I don't really know how to feel about this guy because I think his range of outcomes, which, you know, it's a, it's a similar story for him as it is for a lot of the guys at the top of this draft, but someone like Isaac Okoro as well could be an op- interesting option either at number four or if the Bulls do acquire another pick, I think. You know, is that defensive option, that on-ball option, but even his creativity with the ball, that's appealing to me. I have no idea what his scope looks as, uh, looks like as an offensive player. He could just be another Chris Dunn-type clone where he could be a, a really fun player for 20 minutes or so defensively, but his offensive limitations may just just may uh, uh, disallow him from being anything more than a nice role player. But, Chris, do you have any thoughts on Isaac Okoro or anything like that? either at number four or as an additional pick that the Bulls may pick up to, to, to sort of maybe steal a uh, defensive type wing. 
Yeah, so I, you know, I looked into him a little bit more today, actually, because there's been a lot of buzz around the league about his defensive capabilities, and people are really buying into the the idea that he can get his shot mechanics fixed at some point. And if he can, I think he's going to be a, a pretty nice piece to have. I don't know if I'm high enough on him to take him at four, but I think if we did pick up another uh, another late lottery pick and he's still there, I, I think he's definitely worth the gamble in this draft. Um, he's he's just got really nice defensive tools, good size. You know, he's, he's a, a decent small forward size. And uh, I think, you know, it, it depends on where you put him. I think you mentioned earlier kind of LaMelo ball and, and the variability of where you put him. So if if we trust that our player development program is actually going to be solid and not the awful, awful thing it's been for basically any any Bulls draft pick in the last, you know, 15 years. I think it's worth taking a, you know, a prospect or a swing in the draft like that and, and kind of hoping for that upside because Okoro's got great upside. I really do think so. Um, and he's got some great defensive skills. But, you know, if he turns out to be like um, uh, who's, who's our small forward – uh, on our roster right now, that's um, Chandler Hutchison. Chandler Hutchison, yeah. If he turns out to be like that, then I don't know. I mean, I still got some hope in, in Hutchison, but he went to my high school actually. <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> young Pip, uh, yeah, I know, young Pip. But I don't know. He's he's um, he's getting too old. So Isaac Okoro is obviously a, a lot younger, and I think he could be worth it. But I don't know if I'd take him at four. Yeah, fair fair point. And Ev, I, I guess the one thing that maybe is making me uh, be put off by Okoro somewhat, and and this is completely unfair to him, and this is just completely irrational by me. But I've seen I've seen some Bulls fans liken Okoro to Jimmy Butler, and that maybe if he were to find some offensive, um, some offensive games in his game in in his game rather, that he could maybe develop into Jimmy Butler or something like that. I I completely think that is uh, ludicrous thinking, but there are some fans maybe positing that. But what are your thoughts about Okoro and and what his his top side ceiling maybe could be? Yeah, there's a pathway to a Jimmy Butler type growth. Um, that's a, a massive outlier growth, and it takes a guy like Jimmy that just you know works like crazy. He's always in the gym. Uh, Okoro does work super super hard, from what I've heard. Um, you know, he's already incredibly strong, a wonderful on and off ball defender, um, especially on ball. And everybody needs a wing stopper in the playoffs. So if Okoro hits, you know, that's a that's a huge win for your for your front office and your team. He's also a good referendum on what do you think about your player development because at the end of the day, what Okoro is, a lot of it is going to depend on, you know, does he shoot or can you get creative with him on ball so that he doesn't have to shoot because you can basically only have one non-shooter in the court at any time if you want your offense to run efficiently. So is he going to shoot? I don't necessarily buy the shot at any greater than like, you know, kind of fake shooter level, like low volume 35% type deal where nobody's really closing out too hard. They'll just kind of let him take it. Um, he's shown the willingness, uh, you know, his form's not completely awful. It definitely needs work. Um, but there are ways you can get creative with him in half court, running him on ball, um, running him, um, you know, in pick and roll action as the screener where he's passing out of the short roll. He's in, he's a wonderful passer. He makes the right read, not just reactive too. you know, he'll, he'll, um, create those openings himself and he's a wonderful off ball cutter. So Okoro is a really interesting prospect. I don't think I would take him at four personally. But that is kind of the range that he probably deserves to go, you know, somewhere in that four to seven range for me. Um, if we don't take him, I would not be at all surprised if either of the Cavs or Hawks take him. Yeah, look, I completely agree. And going back to what we said before about maybe trading for another for another first round pick in that sort of top five, top eight range, that's where someone like a Cora makes a lot of sense to me, where you can use that number four pick that the Bulls have, maybe take a flyer on someone like Killian Hayes, a steady option like that, whilst also taking an, up, an upside bet on someone like a Cora. If you maybe trade him to or trade this number seven pick, which is Larry Markkinen. Uh, or for, for Larry Markkinen or, you know, pick six, pick eight, whatever it might be. And if you can get Okoro with that pick and, again, play small, you get a Killian Hayes in, you get Okoro in, and then you add that to a core of, of, of Kobe, Zach Levine, and Wendell Carter, then that's really intriguing to me. But if the, if we just stay put at number four and Okoro is the one pick that you make in this draft and you're just kind of hoping that he's an upside play, like, that would be concerning to me. But... Acquiring another pick and, and taking a core sort of in that five to seven or eight range, that that's intriguing to me. So, oh, again, 
big brain energy. Who the hell knows what happens? Thinking, yeah, just thinking randomly about it. But uh, look, guys, I think we've covered pretty much everything that we need to in terms of prospects coming into this top ten of this draft. Where we feel the Bulls are may or may not do what they what they possibly may do if they trade, if they don't, all that sort of stuff. I think we've covered most permutations. So. I guess I just wanted to say thank you both for joining me on this episode of the show. It's certainly fun to, to get your thoughts on it. Um, maybe for, before I let you get away, if you if you want to plug anything that you have, plug your socials, whatever it might be, then uh, maybe you can tell people where to follow you online, all that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah. Thanks for having us on, Mark. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to talk about the draft and, and just kind of, as you said, kind of feel the pulse of, of where the Bulls fan base is. And I think it's in a great spot, obviously, from where it's been in the last few years. So thanks to Jim Boylan for finally pushing it over the edge and uh, getting our front <laughs> office fired. But um, if you want to follow me, uh, I am on Twitter. It's at KLA Hoops. Um, I mostly just, you know, have angry tweets when the Bulls are playing and refing and things like that. Uh, I'm also on Bloggable, Chris Amundsen. I, I, you know, occasionally write a piece, but mostly just troll there as well. So. That's that's me. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at easy underscore hoops. I'm going to be posting my, um, I think, final first round big board pretty soon here, uh, tier list pretty soon here. Um, and you can find my writing over at premiumhoops.org. We've been posting a bunch of great content. Mark Schindler especially has been going super hard with the offseason preview pods with all 30 teams. Um, he's been doing like a team a day. So get over there and listen to those if you haven't already. And we're going to have the next segment of our top 100 coming out this week, I think. So um, stay tuned for that. It should be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to the draft. Perfect, mate. Look, I, I, I appreciate you both making yourself available. I certainly hope Bulls fans jump online, jump on the socials and follow you both. Um, and further to that, if you want to speak with Chris, if you want to speak with Ev, if you want to speak with more Bulls fans and you want to just be part of the general Bulls discourse, then um, hit us up on the Discord channel. Send me an email. You can come be, come be part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel. That's where Chris, Ev, and I and a whole heap of other Bulls fans are constantly talking all things Bulls, specifically the draft, obviously, with the draft coming up in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to be part of that, if you want to chat to us all, then do so. Hit me up on the email, BullsHQ pod at gmail.com me on the socials you know it by now bulls fans but if you're not following me at mk hoops the show is at uh, at bulls hq pod but uh, thanks again to chris and Ev for jumping on the podcast i had a lot of fun doing this uh, I, I think i might do it again to be honest with you just get some more bulls fans on and and, and just yeah take the pulse to take the temperature of the fan base i think this was a lot of fun for me hopefully chris and ev enjoyed their time on the show as well and uh, you, you're listening as well. Hopefully you enjoyed this Bulls conversation. But that just about does it for this episode of the show. We'll probably be back next week again talking about the draft in the lead-up to the draft. But for this episode, that just about does it. Thank you for tuning in. Bulls fans, speak very soon. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.